of song. As you know, we've begun a new thematic year. 2022-23 is the RBBC year of being members one of another, taken from Romans 12 and verse 5, where it, in fact, says that, calls us to be members one of another. In fact, it declares that we are members one of another. We don't have to try to be that. If you're saved, if you're part of the body of Christ, you are a member, you are a part of one another's lives uh, as brother or sister in Christ. But in the midst of that, we're called, in fact, to grow in that, to express it, to experience it through corporate unity. But you know, the church consists of imperfect human beings. Oh, to be sure, we're forgiven, we're accepted in Christ, um, we're seated in heavenly places, but that speaks of our spiritual position. I'm still working out my salvation day by day. I've not yet arrived at practical perfection. Do you identify with me on that? Amen? You've not arrived. You still may sin against someone this evening, and I may as well. We can get under one another's skin. Sometimes the relational chemistry isn't in balance as we would like to be. The spark plugs misfire in how we treat one another, how you treat me, how I treat you, and, and within one another. And we see in a particular text this evening that very dynamic play out as we eavesdrop on Paul and Barnabas at the beginning of their second missionary journey. So this morning, we did an introduction to a verse-by-verse study through the book of Philippians. Well, that that took place in chapter 16 of the book of Acts. If you would, turn to chapter 15 of the book of Acts, just before the founding of the church at Philippi, this narrative is recorded in Acts 15, beginning in verse 36, with a message I've titled, Being Members One of Another, Even When Disagreeing. Acts 15, in verse 36. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. In other words, we've had the first missionary journey. People were one to the Lord. Churches were planted. Let's go back and see now, a few months later, how they are doing. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them who departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. This passage reminds us that we're to be members one of another even when disagreeing. Now, this is not an example of them doing that. This is an example of them not doing that. And in fact, the Lord would have them do that. In fact, we're commanded in Ephesians 4, 3 that we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So the first thing I want us to consider 
is the reason for the contention. The reason for the contention uh, in the first portion of this passage, verses 36 through the first part of verse 39. Wow, what a contrast in this and the previous situation earlier in the chapter where Paul and Barnabas were used of the Lord to bring unity and healing to the body of Christ. You remember the Jerusalem Council earlier uh, in chapter 15, the first council of the church, the first time uh, that the leaders of the body of Christ met together as one in Jerusalem with James, uh, the pastor at the Jerusalem church. He was presiding, but Paul and Barnabas uh, were were used of the Lord to really uh, settle this issue when two factions were starting to uh, go in different directions. I mean, the Jewish faction of believers and the Gentile faction of believers, and it was going to be a major rift, a, a major disruption in the work of the church in that first century, not long after that work had begun. And yet, even though they were used of the Lord to do that, they couldn't settle or they wouldn't settle a petty difference of opinion over this young guy named John Mark. Folks, often it's the little foxes that get into the chicken coop. Oh, to be sure, there are tornadoes that happen. To be sure, uh, there are grass fires that wipe out a whole uh, uh, crop, uh, uh, all of this year's crops. But by and large, those things happen occasionally, once in a while. But it's every night the fox wants to get into the chicken coop, right? Always at the door. All, you got you to gotta kill the fox or get rid of the chickens or something. Because the fox is always going to be coming back. Just nagging the chicken uh, farmer all the time because he's incessant. And it's infuriating, it's incapacitating when the little foxes figure out a way to get into the chicken house and destroy the, uh, that, uh, that flock of chickens. Uh, you follow the, the principle. Yes, the tornado may come in one moment and wipe out all of the family farm. But that doesn't happen all that often. But every evening, the foxes are there lurking, waiting to get in. You all following the illustration, amen? It's those kinds of things which so often, it wasn't the Jew-Gentile division uh, that, they, that, that swallowed them up. They were able to get past that. They were able to come to a resolution. Uh, they were able to say, okay, we agree. Let's not put any burden on the Gentiles that even Jews were never able to keep. And yet... They come to the second missionary journey and they almost came to fisticuffs over that. So the reason for the contention that we see, and again, Ephesians 4, 3, keeping the unity. The reason, uh, first of all, Paul and Barnabas agreed on the importance of the trip. We see that in verse 36, how that Paul said to Barnabas, hey, Barney, let's go check out the brethren. And he said, brother Paul, Great idea. Let's gather our stuff. Let's put everything together and let's hit the road uh, as the dynamic duo um, and do, uh, do this work that the Lord wanted, wanted them to do. Now, it's interesting. Barnabas was the one that God used to cause Paul to be accepted among the brethren. If you'll notice, this is important. Look in chapter 9 and verse 36, chapter, uh, verse 26. Chapter 9, look at verse 26. And when Saul, he was called Saul at that time, was come to Jerusalem, he tried to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They believed not he was a disciple. In other words, 
we know of you. We know your testimony. You hassle the believers. You've even had some of them dragged out of their houses uh, and were persecuted. But Barnabas, verse 27, took him and brought him to the apostles, declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, how he'd spoken to him, how he'd preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So it was Barnabas who applied the oil to the gears in the early church to get Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, to get him accepted. Also, if you'll notice in verse, uh, chapter, look at chapter 11, if you would, of the book of Acts. Look at chapter 11 and verse 30. It says, which also they did and sent it by the elders, by the hands of, what does it say in chapter 11 and verse 30, by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. You have Barnabas and Saul. Notice also in chapter 12 and verse 25, it says, and who? Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. And then look at chapter 13 and verse 2. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now this is going on the first missionary journey, separate me, put aside Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called, called them. Well, what's going on here? Well, what's going on is that Barnabas was the one who opened up the door for Paul, the Apostle Paul, to minister uh, in and through the local churches. And Barnabas was the one who had top billing for those first few weeks and months. But when they landed on the island of Cyprus, notice it back in our text, in chapter 15 and verse 36, as soon as they'd landed on the island of Cyprus, and this is where they are at that time, or they were sailing unto Cyprus, um, Barnabas took uh, Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, they were headed that way, notice the top billing was Paul. And Barnabas had the top billing uh, all up until that point. And seemingly he was demoted right before they went in front of his own hometown people. He was benched, as it were, and yet that, even that did not shake them, did not shake him. Uh, he was in agreement that he was going to go on this trip with Paul uh, because it was for the work of the Lord. He wanted to see lives changed by the gospel. So uh, Barnabas did not have uh, uh, any personal agenda in this that I want to, um, my name to be promoted. Yeah, Paul can come along, but I'm the top billing uh, agent here. No, not at all. So they agreed on the importance of the trip. And then secondly, Paul and Barnabas disagreed on the ingredients of the team. That is, who was going to come along with them. Now, as it indicates here, you'll remember, in the first missionary journey, John Mark bailed out due to fear. He lost his nerve. Uh, Barnabas and John Mark were cousins, according to Colossians 4.10. And, and um, he said, in so many words, uh, I'm not cut out for this. And he left them in the middle of uh, the missionary journey. And yet Barnabas was not, he wasn't willing to throw in the towel on Paul. And he wasn't willing to throw in the towel on John Mark either. Now, Paul had a case. Paul did have a case. We didn't want to throw Paul under the bus either. Uh, Paul was saying, look, the churches, the believers are paying for this trip. I mean, uh, fare, uh, a passageway on a ship, that costs some money. And uh, food and lodging and all the rest. And so uh, there were churches uh, behind these missionaries. John Mark had bailed out on them 
with the first hint of problems, the first difficulty, John Mark said, okay, I'm going home. I can't handle this. And Paul, uh, Paul could no longer count on him. And he knew that the missionary's journey uh, had eternal souls at stake. And so he said, this is too big of a, mi- a ministry to have someone who will bail on us. And so they had legitimate cases, both of them did, and the contention was so sharp that their friendship and their fellowship was traumatized and broken. And so whose argument was right? Was Paul right in saying, we can't have John, there's no wisdom in bringing along uh, this young guy who bailed on us and who is, uh, has a, a cowardice about him? Or was Barnabas right in saying, no, we must give him another chance. We can't throw him uh, under the bus, as it were. Well, the text doesn't tell us that. But one thing that is for certain, God does not want his children squabbling to the point of explosive contention. Clearly, that's not the will of God. Um, The two never ministered together again in the book of Acts. But Scripture does say that Paul and Barnabas reconciled and that Paul and John Mark did in later years as well. So that was the situation that was going on, what ended up happening. What were the results of the contention? Well, as this is the case with God, he used the best of what is offered to him to accomplish his will. So it wasn't going to be Paul and Barnabas any longer. It was now going to be Barnabas and John Mark as one missionary team and Paul and Silas as another missionary team. So pragmatically, if you think about it, they've actually doubled their their effectiveness, right? They've actually doubled the the force, uh, same amount of workload. They had to reach the world, but they've doubled uh, the force. And of course, what the enemy wants for evil, God will count for good. I like how uh, Warren Wiersbe, I don't know if he did this intentionally, uh, but he kind of invoked the spirit of uh, John F. Kennedy uh, when, when he wrote, Paul looked at people and asked, what can they do for God's work? While Barnabas looked at people and asked, what can God's work do for them? Doesn't that sound like JFK? <laughs> Paul looked at people and asked. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, well, Satan hoped to accomplish for evil the splitting of the church, the ending of the fledgling. Remember, This is the beginning of the second. They only had one missionary journey. The fledgling missionary enterprise, it is ready to come to a screeching halt. And the church is going to divide. I'm with Paul. I'm with Barnabas. And then uh, you have that division, potentially, in theory, forever. So what Satan hoped to accomplish for evil, God saw that it was for good. And so the results were two strong, committed missionary teams and again the lord the lord flips the tables on the enemy how he he wants that which is evil and god will work that which is good even if the working of it is in the midst of difficult situations now a key thought here about leaving one ministry going to another so that no one despair when a person leaves our church which does happen um God included this text so that we don't despair. In other words, there can be, and in fact, there will be a new day 
as lives are surrendered to him. And I tell folks, uh, uh, those, uh, those who uh, uh, have an inclination to move on, I want you to be planted where you can bloom. If you can bloom, if you can truly bloom better in this other situation, provided it's not uh, heresy or uh, an orthodoxy issue, if you can bloom better over, I truly do, pastorally, I want you to be where you can bloom because not every plant will grow the same way in every environment. And so I, I, I can truly confidently say that. I want you to be planted where you can bloom. But that so one not presume that this is what God wants, this is not to be considered the norm. It's pointed out because it's not the norm. It, it, it is abnormal for this to two solid leaders like Paul and Barnabas to almost come to blows over something like this. So we should never presume this is the norm, but should, we should never despair in that God can still use both parties uh, in his work. Now, uh, what were the results very specifically? Well, Barnabas focused on inreach. In verse 39, at the end of verse 39, if you'll notice, he took John Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. In other words, he went back to his hometown where they knew Barnabas and they knew John Mark and they nurtured the believers. And of course, that was the calling of Barnabas anyway. His name means son of encouragement. And so he was one who built up the flock. Um, and that was pretty much, a, of course, he, he, he saved, as it were, John Mark. He uh, reestablished John Mark, discipled him, and he ended up becoming a leader on the island of Cyprus with Barnabas. And then we see, and that doesn't mean Barnabas was not a soul winner. Of course he was a soul winner. Certainly he was. He was a believer. And it doesn't mean that Paul was not a nurturer. Of course he was. He had a pastor's heart. But just like Barnabas won souls, even though he was given to encouraging believers, so too Paul built up the flock, but his primary focus was mass evangelism in various cities. And so this passage begins the second missionary journey which would carry Paul to most of the known world. And, and that was his heart, because he, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, that is not in myself, for of necessity it's laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. This is not about me, he said. Uh, sharing the gospel with the various cities in, uh, in the Mediterranean area, that's a calling, that's a burden on my soul, that the Lord gave me, and so I must do it. He wanted to see the gospel reach the ends of the earth. Romans 15, 24 says, Whenever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey. So Paul had his uh, eyes set on the known world, wherever he could possibly go to communicate the gospel, he went. And so Cyprus, the believers in Cyprus were built up, uh, and, and Paul and, and um, John Mark went to various places, and more and, and more churches were started. Believers were one, uh, sinners were one to become believers, and churches were started through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Now, it should not have been. These are two mature believers, leaders in the church, the, uh, the leaders, really, known by, by one and all, um, they should not have had that contention, but there were good results as a result of it because of what God did. Now, what is the remedy? 
how do we head this off? Even though Jesus said offenses are sure to come, uh, we see enough evidence in Scripture to know that people hurt and offend one another, even among well-meaning believers. And the remedy really uh, is a no-brainer. That is, we are to actively pursue oneness. We're to endeavor to guard the unity uh, of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We're to work at it. We're to actually set our minds on doing that, even when we disagree. Now, we're going to be one sometime. Uh, the, uh, uh, the search committee for the assistant pastor has been working hard, tirelessly, really. Uh, we've had so many meetings and uh, had, have, have had interviews and received resumes and, and uh, called, on, uh, called on references. And I mean, it's just tirelessly. And there will come a point, presumably, where we will put before the congregation a particular candidate, believing as a committee that this is who God would have us have uh, as assistant pastor, uh, uh, pastor over children, youth, and small groups. Now, it could be that you will not be convinced this is the way to go. If you do disagree in your heart, then check your heart. See, am I disagreeing because of a substantive answer? After all, we, we commissioned this committee. We voted all but unanimously with the exact slate of candidates for the committee that the deacons had proposed to the congregation that was very wise that we did that. And now this committee has been prayerfully working diligently and uh, uh, no, no yes no, no men yes or women in the group. Everyone, everyone has a voice. Everyone is sharing his, uh, his or her heart. And so when that candidate, and I'm not, I'm not setting you up for anything. I'm, just, I'm talking in theory. We don't have one that we're ready to propose right now. But when we do, there could be that you don't see it exactly the same way. First check, why am I not seeing it the same way? Is there a substantive reason? And then if you remain unconvinced, then disagree agreeably. Amen? Not like Barnabas and Paul who practically came to fisticuffs. And so we're to proactively seek oneness and harmony let me offer um let me offer some principles i shared this oh my 25 years ago possibly i had it in my notes forever ago i had to dust it all off about factors which can enhance oneness and factors which will inhibit oneness in the body of christ coming right out of the chute first of all is is the issue uh, am i walking in humility or am I walking in pride? Because the book of Proverbs says, only through pride does contention present itself. Among believers, it's all, pride will be present. Not necessarily on both parts, but uh, on one part for sure. Maybe on both, uh, both people who are contending or both entities, there will be pride that will be present. I like what, uh, I like what MacArthur uh, shared here. Let me, let me run to it. I put this in the wrong spot. Um, about this issue of pride. Love only grows in the garden of humility. There, the, the church cannot be enhanced if one or both parties are saying, like Paul uh, uh, and Barnabas, uh, that is the church can't be enhanced in that situation, if one or both say, nope, it's going to be my way or the highway. Um, love doesn't grow. 
Oneness doesn't, doesn't uh, advance in that kind of a situation. And so it's an issue of uh, humility or uh, pride. Secondly, it's an issue of selflessness or selfishness. Selflessness, the golden rule, uh, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. In fact, Ephesians 5.29 uh, tells us that no one ever hated his own flesh. Everyone wants to be pampered. Everyone, uh, we're creatures of comfort. When I'm hungry, I pursue a meal. Well, actually, when I'm hungry, uh, I say to Kathy, would you pursue a meal for me? <laughs> See, not only do I want fed, I want someone to do it for me. I'm really a creature of comfort, amen? Uh, and so um, we're going to uh, approach life in the church with selflessness, preferring you uh, above me, and I, I tell you, God would have me think a lot less about concerned about myself and, uh, and more concerned about you. Or it's going to be uh, selfishness if, um, if I'm not careful. Okay, I, I had those out of order. Let me get past the, fee, uh, the MacArthur quote. Thirdly, factor which enhances oneness will be forgiveness. Obviously, if there's contention, it's an issue of an offense. Almost certainly it, it is, or it very likely is. Or it will settle into bitterness. Those who have wronged me and who have offended me, uh, I'm either going to practice forgiveness or if I don't, uh, in no time, a root of bitterness is going to be planted, Hebrews 12. And it's going to do what? Defile many. And so if I'm going to practice and experience being members one of another, it means I must knowingly be walking in, in humility. I'm not focused on self. And when I am hurt, when I am offended, I am called to forgive. What does it mean to forgive? It means to open the cage and let that little bitter birdie fly away. I am releasing you uh, from this offense. What if that person doesn't seek forgiveness? Well, uh, then, then that, that's, on that, that's on that one. But you are called to honor God in forgiving. How many times are you to forgive? Well, you know the answer to that. Seventy times seven. So 490 times, of course, we understand uh, that's given to, um, in a hype, uh, hype, uh, way of hyperbole uh, to say you're to always forgive those who offend you. Fourthly, the issue of forbearance or patience is another word for that versus intolerance. Uh, I can always be patient when it's in my best interest, but to have godly long-suffering in a situation when I'm not benefited by it, well, that is walking in humility, selflessness, and very likely forgiveness. So I'm to have forbearance or patience in the body of Christ. You know, uh, Think about your own, uh, even, uh, even in your own family. Uh, everyone, uh, uh, everyone votes on going to uh, Burger King for dinner. I like Mark Saylor's stories on these about uh, the family going to, picking a place uh, to go. I'll have to tell it to you all sometime uh, for dinner. Everyone votes for this one, but there's one holdout. Said, no, we've been to Burger King five times in a row. I want, I want something good tonight. I want McDonald's. And so the one holdout makes, a, just spoils the whole thing, throws a fit, pouts, 
belly aches, whines. Y'all following that? And versus having forbearance toward those fools who want Burger King again. Um, and, or you can choose to be intolerant. And of course, that's going to that's gonna soil the whole environment. Fifthly, if I'm going to enhance oneness, I have to have a generous, not a demanding spirit. I can't demand my way, but I need to show deference because the other person may not have the maturity or be walking in the spirit at that particular moment in that situation and doesn't have the same generous spirit that you have. Boy, I tell you, folks, it, uh, it, all, it all springs, doesn't it, from humility. Am I really thinking of self? Uh, am I wanting to promote me? Am I wanting to watch out for me? And if I am, then I can forget about oneness. I can forget about enhancing uh, being members one of another. Next. I don't know what number this is. Is this sixth, seventh? One, two, three, four. Sixthly, transparency versus guardedness. Now, that's an issue of trust. You've hurt me in the past. You're still demanding this. Uh, I've been selfless. I've been humbled to some degree, to whatever degree uh, I understand that to be. Yet, you're still, uh, you're still on this bandwagon. Well, if you love... You're going to resist that. You're going to turn away from that guarded heart because love, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 7, bears all things, bears up, uh, believes all things, hopes all things, just believes God for a new day in this relational dynamic and endures all all things. Therefore, one who loves isn't focused on self-preservation, isn't focused on getting my own way, but will be vulnerable, will be available, uh, just like Jesus is. And of course, Paul and Barnabas, they contended, we're going to do it my way. No, we're going to do it my way. And um, they had to, they did separate. Of course, God in his providence still blessed the ministry. And then finally, finally for this list anyway, there must be a spirit of honesty versus deceptiveness. Obviously, uh, and that speaks of motive. Why, uh, why am I acquiescing to you? Why am I taking the back seat? You see, it's not just enough to say, uh, okay, uh, I want us to walk together in unity, but why am I willing to say that? If it is to ultimately have a gotcha, uh, then, um, then of course God is not going to honor that and he knows our hearts. So folks, Why I do what I do is just as important as what I do. Am I trying to get the upper hand? Am I trying to uh, uh, cause you to now be in deficit that you owe me? And so really, I have to check my motive about why I am doing what I'm doing. I mean, if the Apostle Paul uh, would have said, okay, uh, fine, we'll we'll do it your way and we'll take John Mark. And and if his motive uh, would have been, as soon as John Mark had any little uh, 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 uncertainty about what they were going to do, Paul would have said, see, I told you, Barnabas, you just listen to me. We've been doing fine. Why I want oneness. 
why I want to be members one of another matters us just as much. And so, this is our year of being members one of another. And I don't know that I like being because we are. We are members one of another. Um, is that being enhanced? Is that being experienced? Well, it means that I must be open to you, uh, transparent. I must be honest with my own heart. Uh, I must not have a demanding spirit. I must uh, be generous in how um, I'm giving you a lot of of space uh, and I'm giving you a listening ear. And and, and if both parties are doing that, then it's it's going to be resolved. It's going to be worked out. Maybe Paul and Barnabas. I mean, any one of us could have come up with uh, some kind of a scenario with Paul and Barnabas if we could have been a mediator there and said, brothers, let's, let, me, let me offer this to you. And we could have come up with some compromise, some uh, trial uh, period, uh, uh, float some uh, trial balloon of, okay, let's try this and this. And, okay, we can both agree with that. There could have been some a way to enhance the unity without there being such discord. But the Spirit of God wanted us to have a bird's eye view of what went on between Paul and Barnabas so that we can learn from it, so that we can grow from it, so that we can enhance being members one of another in the body of Christ. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. And I've learned from this. I've studied it before. Barnabas, one of my favorite characters, and yet both Paul and Barnabas seem to be pig-headed about this, Uh, unyielding, demanding their own way. We can't know their hearts, but it it sure seemed like both parties had had a reasonable position. And yet there was discord, there was division, and you still what the enemy counted for evil, you work for good in the existence of the church and the missionary enterprise to the degree that 2,000 years later we have a thriving missionary enterprise right here. To God be the glory. We're thankful for that. And so, Lord, would you move in our midst, thankful that we don't have fractures and divisions and disruptions, at least not of which I'm aware, but, Lord, we understand the enemy is crouching at the door. And would you guard us in that that we would experience members, one of another, integrated lives, caring for one another. All the while, this local church exists. This church, we've experienced division in the past. And even more than once in our nearly 60 years. Lord, would you guard our hearts and that we would walk in love, which is that flower that grows in a garden of humility, Let that be the case in this, your church, on this corner, that all the world would know that we are your disciples by love we have one for another. We'll thank you, praise you for what you've done and will do for all eternity, Lord Jesus, in your glorious name we pray. Amen.